It's Wednesday's Law and Gospel on this December the 8th in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and what we are doing on Wednesdays is examining the book of Proverbs. This will be the second item that we've done. Last week, we began with Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. Now, the reason I really like doing this is because Proverbs is so easy to misunderstand. You take a look at a lot of the sayings in Proverbs and you come up, well, that's really good advice, as though it's a device of man, but it's not. Proverbs is about the wisdom of God. And what is wisdom? That's Jesus Christ himself. We looked at Proverbs written by Solomon, who was king of Israel, son of David. And the word Proverbs simply means a wonderful word of wisdom. In other words, do you want to know how God thinks? He doesn't think the way man thinks. He thinks differently. And that's what the book of Proverbs is for. In fact, the book of Proverbs, as we found out, is not for unbelievers. It is for believers who are asking the question, what is the will of God for my life from his point of view? from wisdom's point of view. And we learned that the beginning of such knowledge is the fear of the Lord, both fear of his wrath and also our desire to please the Lord. In contrast to fools who may have very high IQs and may be wonderful leaders in government or maybe managing a business, but if they despise wisdom and instruction, then they are not following the will of God. If we want to put this into a catechetical kind of understanding, God has three uses of the law. The first one is for the government to curb violence. So the law is used to fine or put people in prison if they disobey the laws of the land. The second use of the law is for the church to show people they are sinners. It's the use of accusation. And it's like a hammer it's described as where it comes down on a person and, oh boy, I am a sinner. The law never, never saves anyone. You can be really obedient outwardly to the law and it won't make any difference as to what you are doing. The law doesn't mean you go to heaven or go to hell because the law is God's commands which nobody can obey perfectly until you have faith. And then there are occasions when the Holy Spirit moves you to have the proper motivation, but an unbeliever never has the proper motivation. So you wanna know what is the third use of the law? That's information from God about what he expects 
in our life. Now, a lot of times the third use of the law can result in a second use of the law. In other words, when you hear, oh, this is what God wants you to do, and you recognize you are not doing it, then it becomes the second use of the law. So we're taking a look at God's wisdom, and we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 to 19. The, the first verse 8, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Now, it's just not the father as parent we are to listen to, but also the mother. In fact, not to forsake your mother's teaching, that idea occurs three times in the book of Proverbs. And when it says, hear my son, it's talking about pay attention, my son. This is your father's instruction and your mother's teaching. Now, the word teaching is in the Hebrew, and it's Torah, which is the word for law. Remember Hebrew Torah? That's the law. The Greek is nomos. And the gospel is in the Greek euangelion, where we get the word evangelical. But sometimes the word Torah includes not just the strict demands of the law, but also the teaching of the gospel. In other words, Torah is a word that can be translated as teaching. And that's what's happening here, is God is giving us teaching. Here is his understanding of how we are to behave. And when you listen to proper instruction from your father and proper teaching from your mother, verse 9 says, they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. The Bible is filled with metaphors. In fact, a lot of sermons can be done on the basis of a metaphor. What God is saying is as we listen to our father and mother's teaching and follow it, it's like a graceful garland, which means a wreath that is around your head, kind of like what people who win the Olympics get, a garland, and it's graceful. That, that word appears 13 times in the book of Proverbs. And what are pendants for your neck? That is expensive jewelry. So you'll see some people wearing a cross around their neck on a chain or some other emblem. And what God is saying is if you listen to your father, you listen to your mother, and they're teaching properly, and you're obeying them, that's a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Now, why isn't that just man's wisdom? Well, because what counts between man's wisdom and God's wisdom is the motivation. I, I remember one of my jobs was to cut the lawn 
and I would wait till Saturday and hope it would rain. And boy, Dad, I, I wanted to cut the lawn, but it's raining today. But then I got my driver's license, and, well, I wanted to use a car on Friday nights. So what do you think I did when I came home on Friday? I cut the lawn. Dad came home from work. He was an insurance salesman. And I said, well, hi, Dad. Uh, look, you see the lawn is cut. Oh, good job, Tom. Do you mind if I use the car tonight? And so I was really doing the lawn, not because I love my mom and dad so much, although I do, but that wasn't the motivation. It was to get the car. And every unbeliever always has a selfish reason in doing an outward good work. That's the point of the book of Proverbs. And we ought to have a proper motivation. And so father to son, mother to son, this is like God to us who are members of his family. Are we going to do what God is asking us to do? We only can do it if we love God. And wisdom, of course, as already found out in last week's lesson, refers to Jesus Christ. So faith in Jesus Christ is important to understand God's wisdom. So now, there are definitely warnings, and they don't necessarily need to be second use unless you're not listening to the warnings. Then they become accusation. But at this point, wisdom is talking about, here's how you are to behave when you believe in me as your Savior. Verse 10, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Now, the Hebrew there means if sinners seduce you, do not consent. Do not agree with what they are saying. Do not go along. For example, even in schools, you have sinners who are trying to sell drugs or marijuana or whatever. And they say, it really makes you feel better. And a person may try it and they get an instant high. But of course, it disappears quickly. So they have to take more drugs. In other words, drugs do give you a high for a bit, but then you become depressed. And that's why there's so many suicides, as well as people who have to rob to get money to buy the drugs. So sinners are enticing you because they're saying, boy, look it, you're really going to feel better. But do not consent. Do not agree with them. Verse 11, if they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush ambush the innocent without reason. In other words, we don't have any cause to do that. I've seen a movie recently on YouTube, and it was a man who was waiting for a job. Uh, he was wanting to go on ships, and he enjoyed being a worker on a ship. And while he was waiting, he was living in a neighborhood that was really rough. In fact, he ended up getting beat up by the gang that was there. 
In, in other words, all they were doing is they didn't like the way he looked. And so they waited for him and ambushed him without reason. That's what a lot of people think they want to do. And therefore, do not entice, be enticed by them and do not consent. Verse 12 talks about how they talk. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. Now, that's what sinners are saying when they're attacking people without reason. Like Sheol. Sheol is kind of a place where the dead would go. And sometimes it refers only to the place of unbelievers. Other times it refers to anyone who dies in the Old Testament. But the fact of the matter is, it's a negative place for unbelievers. And it says, let's send them alive to Sheol, which means put them to death. Let us let Sheol swallow them. Now, that word is the same word used when Moses is up on Mount Sinai and the people, wow, he's gone. Who are we to worship? And they create a golden calf. And when Moses comes down and sees that, he breaks the tablets of the Ten Commandments and God swallows up with an earthquake those people who were worshiping the golden calf. Same word. And therefore, Sheol is a place that you don't want to go to. In Psalm 30, verse 4, it says, the Lord saves from the pit of Sheol those who have faith in God. In other words, those who believe in Jesus Christ. Now, another enticement by sinners. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. That's verse 13. See, what God is doing is giving insight to you as to how people are going to try and get you to definitely break God's will. Because you're going to have all kinds of precious goods, and you're going to fill your houses with plunder. In fact, when people are enticed, they fall into those temptations for three reasons. Number one, it's fun. It's fun to break into a house and take whatever you want. Second of all, there is companionship. So young people who are really lonely, maybe they don't have any brothers or sisters, no friends at school, they get involved with people who entice them and they have companionship. And then the third reason is they get wealthy, whether it's selling drugs, stealing, etc. So God's wisdom is showing you how you are enticed. And therefore, these are warnings to you when you hear, yeah, you, we're going to have a lot of fun. We'll be your friends and look at all the money you're going to make. This is the way that unbelieving sinners 
are trying to get you, entice you to do bad things. Then they also say in verse 14, throw in your lot among us, we will have one purse. Now, what do they mean by that? What they say is, well, let's go rob the bank. And there's four of us robbing the bank. Uh, let's say we get $100,000. Each of us will evenly receive $25,000. So what they're saying in verse 14, we shall all have one purse, means we will share the wealth evenly. Well, how many movies have you seen where four guys go in and rob a bank and then one of them kills two or three of the others so he has more money? You, you can't trust a sinner like this. He may say one thing. He may entice you. So verse 15 my son, do not walk in the way with them. Now, the way is really important. You may remember in the New Testament, Christianity is referred to as the way. And Jesus speaks about the way. There's the narrow way through faith in him, and there's the broad way, those who think they're going to be saved because they're such good people. They're doing so many good works. Well, that's the wrong path. The way appears 26 times in the book of Proverbs. And therefore, the way is a pattern of behavior that is contrary to the wisdom of God. Hold back your foot from their paths. In other words, what happens with a lot of young people, it's called the pressure from peers. They want to have companionship. Uh, they want to have fun. They want to have wealth. And that kind of pressure means they will put their foot on a path that is a way that is contrary to wisdom. And now wisdom says, why? For those feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. So when you get enticed by sinners to do evil, you're really shedding blood. In fact, that's a quote from Isaiah 59, verse 7, or I, Isaiah actually uses it. It says, that you should not rush to shed innocent blood. And we know that Proverbs was copied by King Hezekiah. He had it transcribed. Therefore, God goes on with another analogy, another metaphor. Verse 17, for in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. What does that mean? Well, there's a bird watching you, and they see you put out a net. And there are a number of ways that they would try and catch birds with the net. 
One way is they would cast the net towards the bird and try and get them caught in the net. Another way was they would put the net on the ground and put food on it. And then when the bird came to eat the food, they would close the net. But in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. Now the word for bird in the Hebrew really means a master of the wing. So they can fly very quickly and in vain if they see you putting down a net. They don't get fooled. Birds are pretty smart sometimes. So in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. In other words, you may be putting food down on the ground on a net, but a bird will figure that out and he won't get caught. Yet you as a human being, you see the food of unbelievers. Oh, we're going to have fun. I'm going to have companionship. I'm going to get wealth. And you jump into the net. Verse 18. This is a ironic, ironic verse. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. That's a great insight from God. Wisdom. That when you join with unbelievers in doing evil deeds, you're really going to be losing your own blood. It is really an ambush that Satan has set up for you to take your own life. Therefore, verse 19 is the last verse we're looking at for today. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Therefore, it's eternally damning because of unbelief, these people will not be saved. Now, through repentance, that's contrition over your sin, you can get forgiven. But that eternal damnation can occur here on earth also. I saw another YouTube movie recently where parents were joining with their daughter who wanted to go on a trip with her fiance. Now they weren't married yet, but they were gonna go away for a few weeks. And what was gonna happen was that they were going to take pictures and send them back to her parents. Believe it or not, the parents rejoiced that the daughter was going away with this man to whom she was not married, with whom she would be sleeping at night. And they thought, well, they gave the reason she wanted to live the fullest of her life. Well, what happened, and this is, by the way, a true story. The husband-to-be, remember, they weren't married yet, came back after three weeks all by himself and said he couldn't find his wife. Well, 
They found her. She was buried. He had killed her. In fact, during the meeting, the police had been called because they were having a big fracas, and the police were telling her that she shouldn't be hitting her husband. And she had hit her husband, and therefore they should have arrested her. In that state, it didn't matter what the reasons were, but when you had abuse in a family or between two people, you would address, uh, arrest them. Well, they let her go. And a few days later, she was found to be dead. And what really bothered me was they were talking about what a wonderful girl she was, how honest, how loving, etc. And they blamed everything on the boy. No, I'll tell you who I blamed. I blamed the parents for letting her go out and giving her consent to live with a man prior to their marriage. Yes, the parents were to be blamed, as well as the boy who killed her and who later committed suicide when it became obvious that he was going to be arrested. Proverbs is wonderful in showing the wisdom of God, and it is meant for Christians. But what Christians? On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to be taking a look what people mean when they say, I am a Christian. Stay tuned. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.